Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Brilliance Security Podcast. Hello, my name is Steve Bocut, and I am an editor for Brilliance Security Magazine. Brilliance is an online digital publication dedicated to the security industry. Our mission, and thus our name, is to illuminate the intersection of physical and cybersecurity. We cover both of these security domains by publishing original content about threats, hacks, products, and security strategies. We hope you will enjoy this podcast and visit us at brilliancesecuritymagazine.com. Welcome to the Brilliant Security Magazine podcast, and thank you for joining us today. We appreciate your listening. Today, we're actually going to have four guests, um, something that this show has not done before, but we're going to have four guests on at the same time. This is four members of the Industry IoT Consortium. Of, we've got Karen Quattromoni, Marcellus Buchheit, Frederick Hirsch, and Bob Martin with us today. And we're excited to have a conversation with them. We're going to be exploring the IIC's Trustworthiness Framework Foundations. So um, this is gonna be an interesting and an informative topic for me. I know I'm looking forward to it. So a little bit about our guests before we get into the topic. So Karen Quattromoni is the Director of Public Relations at Object Management Group, where she's responsible for media and analyst relations for all Object Management Group's consortia. And then the other three guests are all co-chairs of the Trustworthiness Task Group for the IIC. Marcellus Buchheit is the co-founder and chairman of the, the board of uh, Webu Systems, a technology company specializing in software licensing and security. Frederick Hirsch is an independent consultant in the area of trustworthiness and security and the co-author of the IoT security maturity model. And Bob Martin leads supply chain security efforts within MITRE. MITRE is a nonprofit organization that runs federally funded research and development centers. He's the elected chair of the IIC steering committee. So welcome everybody. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. All right. So let's, let's start with some kind of background information and Karen will ask you to give us some background, talk about the IIC and for some of our audience, this may, they may not have been exposed to, uh, uh, the IIC, and, and I think there's actually some new news today that I'm sure none of our audience, well, the day that we're recording this, it'll be a week later before the audience hears it, but if they're not, if they haven't caught up on this news, this will be interesting. So Karen, let's turn it over to you for a minute. Thank you. Well, the big news today about the uh, IIC is that we have changed our name. Our original name was Industrial Internet Consortium, and the mission for the for that, which we feel we have accomplished, is that we have transformed business by accelerating the industrial IoT. Now the new name is the Industry IoT Consortium, and the new focus is on technology innovation that fosters business transformation. And the goal is so that organizations can realize a return on their IoT investments. That's okay, cool. excellent. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, <sighs> Well, let, let's go through. I think the audience at this point may be asking themselves, you know, IoT, industrial IoT, what exactly are we talking about? So, 
before I get into the first question, is there anybody who wants to take a stab at just kind of laying out for you know, security professionals is mostly who's going to be listening to this. Um, and we all know what the Internet of Things is. So we all have a Alexa and those kinds of things in our home. But maybe not everybody is, has a, the same picture in their mind when we talk about industry or industrial Internet of Things. Um, I assume we're talking about SCADA systems and those kinds of things. Does somebody want to elaborate on that a little bit? And I'll let anybody take that who wants to. Yeah, I can possibly make a try. It's a, it's a little challenging area because the most important thing is we don't want to address any consumer IoT. So we don't mm -hmm. talk about Nest and your air conditioner. Exactly. Your <laughs> and that's and kind rest, of what I wanted to establish. Yeah. We're not talking about yeah. Nest and we're yeah. not talking yeah. about Alexa. A and the rest is actually that what we're talking. And this is a lot. Yeah, That could be a traditional production system. It could be an oil rig, but it could also be a, a public transportation system. It could be a, a, a also a known profit area somewhere. Yeah, who possibly uh, makes uh, recycling or something. Yeah? It's really hard uh, to, to find a limit and this is more challenging to find a name. So right. the word industry is, is also not perfect, but there is no better way available. That's yeah? so why I would yeah. say everything which is not consumer, which is operational and also have a physical um, world. So you have, uh, so we not just talk about uh, airline ticket management operational. That's not what we're seeing. That's why for us is a safety aspect where uh, someone get hurt by physical moving uh, or uh, an essential thing. Yeah, building management systems, transportation, medical, um, all kinds of things that interact with the physical world. Got it. Okay. And thank you. That's, that's kind of what I wanted to establish so that the audience knows what, what we're talking about. And, and this is a, particularly for security professionals, this is a critical area because this is, this is not just data being stolen. Not that I want to downplay data being stolen. That's a big deal. This is like water treatment plants not working the way they're supposed to and, and chemicals getting into the water that they shouldn't and those kinds of things. So um, I, I think we would just want to make that clear. So uh, let's start with you, Frederick. Let me get you to, to address this question. Um, tell us about, describe for us, if you can, the business need and context for trustworthiness and how it relates to safety and security. Thank you, Steve. Um, there's a there's a couple of things threads here, so I'll I'll start with the idea that there's this concept of trust, and that we trust that systems and people will behave as we expect them to and want them to, and we have ideas of what should happen, and and so our framework is about trustworthiness, which is about how you achieve trust and what goes into getting trust. And if you don't have trust, you have a real problem. As you mentioned, there can be um, all kinds of things that can go wrong. And as we look at the world around us, we see digital transformation happening. Companies and uh, organizations are working as fast as they can to integrate all systems, to computerize everything that didn't used to be, to take down borders between things. For example, even in an industrial control system, there's a strong incentive to combine business systems with the um, control systems. And those that can lead to security vulnerabilities, for example, but it goes way beyond that. So, as you mentioned, there's consequences to doing these things incorrectly that can betray people's trust. You, you can have chemical plants have problems. We've seen this happen, obviously, with Bhopal and other things. 
Um, you can have nuclear problems, you, but it goes everywhere. I mean, I, it's spanning industries. With retail, you can think of what's going on in the retail industry and think, oh, that's nothing really happening there. But if you have tags that monitor how you shop and shop without checkout, again, you have things going on. So all of these trends of combining IT and OT and converging them and putting IoT everywhere are... Um, increasing the risks and consequences that can happen because you have actuators and sensors all interconnected and there's a lot of complexity and a lot of things can, can need to be considered. So where, where does this framework come in and what are we thinking about? So what we said is we have to, before we can understand trust and before we can get a handle on this, we have to understand the key characteristics that matter. And you mentioned two of them. One of them is security and the other is safety. But we also talk about reliability, resilience, and privacy. And for example, resilience is becoming very important in, in our world. If, if something, if there's a failure, if there's something that goes wrong, you don't want everything to come to a complete stop. You want to be able to continue perhaps in a reduced fashion, but we rely on the, the concept of resilience more than we think. And reliability is similar. We take reliability for, for granted, but it's, it's essential. If you can't make something reliable, then how can you trust in it? And privacy, you mentioned data, and that does that's a little tricky because you might just think of it as consumer, but I think data is also pervasive to the, uh, what do they call it, the data economy or whatever, the data is the new oil. So it's a fundamental piece of it. And, and we recognize that there's other, other things that matter like accountability. If people aren't accountable, they can't do things, but those, that underpins all of these trustworthiness characteristics. Likewise, we, we know that quality matters. If you don't have quality in software, then it's going to be a, a lot of uh, many vulnerabilities from that software. So you need quality. But we, we believe that the ultimate um, end of all that is that you don't have security or safety and so on. So okay. um, yeah, go ahead. I, I think that's a good time. If you want. Okay, all right. Well, thank you for that. And I just wanna, for my own clarification here, and I, and I think the audience might be where I'm at thinking about. So in, in the security world, when we talk about trust, you know, we're talking about most of the time, what we're talking about is, you know, authentication and those kinds of things. So who's logging onto my system and do I trust that they can log onto the system and what rights and privileges am I going to give them in my system once they log onto my system? So I think for this conversation, we need to expand that definition in our minds a little bit, because we're not just talking about who logs onto the system. We're talking about other people's systems. So we're talking about if I, if I am using a, um, a software in my chemical plant. And now I'm going to start getting inputs from and giving inputs to or giving outputs to another system um, that I don't have complete control over. I have to somehow be able to trust that system and the people who created it. Right. So that trust now we're talking about is, you know, do the API configuration, um, you know, the, the software itself, how it's protected. Hey, well, let me, Go ahead. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're going down a level into how you implement things, right? Okay. But at a society level, we have trust in partners that can be based on legal agreements, that can be based right. on reputations, that can be based on non-technical means as well as technical means, and that's what I'm primarily talking about. Uh -huh. And how we get to that level of trust. So that, you know, you have a very complex system, and it's not all going to be based on technology. Let me give you an example. It's maybe it's not a good one, but in a in a in a um, nuclear plant or a chemical plant, you have a control room and you have operators that manage the system and they have a terminal, a human 
computer interface where they can manage the system. And they don't want to, in an emergency situation, have to type in a password and a login because they might fail in doing so or get locked out. And then you suddenly have a nuclear disaster because they couldn't manage the login under stress. Right. So in that kind of situation, you, you, you don't have the traditional IT information technology approach of having a login and a lockout and all that. You say, look, we make sure that people with physical security and other means are, have access to the room. And then we allow them to operate as a group, maybe with a shared password, maybe nothing. But you, you, you have to deal with different considerations for that situation. And so trust there is, is based on context and how, how it matters, right? And, and so I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with this already, but that's just a not so great example of how trust can go beyond um, a detailed technical mechanism. Got it. Okay. Thank you. And I, I think we can probably add some more clarity to this. Clarity to this. So the next question I want to ask, I'll ask Bob uh, to talk about um, supply chain. So that's something that security folks are just, you know, very interested in because many of the major cybersecurity problem uh, hacks and, and uh, vulnerabilities have to do with supply chain. So talk to us, Bob, if you will, about trustworthiness supply chain and what that means and how companies can can be how they can gain assurance for trustworthiness from their downstream partners. Yes. So Steve, as you said, you know, the, you get into the details, right? So any operational capability is made up of systems. Mm -hmm. Some you own, some you don't. Well, those systems are made out of components, whether they be hardware or software. And today, most of those capabilities are going to be coming to you from your supply chain, from business partners. Um, you know, many years ago, decades ago, I remember I worked at Eastman Kodak. We pretty much built everything from the parts. I mean, we bought individual switches and so on and put them together out in the plant. Right. They don't do that today. Sure. Today, they get subsystems and they aggregate them and integrate them and so on. So how do you gain the same confidence in the thing being uh, operating the way it should under normal and abnormal situations, being resilient, being reliable, safe for the operators, and so on. Well, you need to gather data from those components, from those system suppliers, to have a reason to have um, assurance, to have some reason to trust. So part of the supply chain part of trustworthiness is how do the aspects of trustworthiness in operation decompose into what do you need out of the components so that when you bring them together, you have some confidence that they're actually going to work in a trustworthy way. And so how does a supply chain um, understand those requirements? So that's something the operational community has to convey down their supply chain put it as requirements, but it also has to circle back that the parts come with some assurance, some reason to feel that they're going to fulfill those requirements. We've traditionally seen that in building materials where, you know, grade of steel or how much Portland cement and sand mix, you know, all those things come into whether a building is going to set be safe in an earthquake or, you know, under some load. We've got the same kind of thing going on in IoT systems where you need to have reason, some facts and data to know that the requirements have been fulfilled 
from various partners. So a big part of um, the supply chain issue is how do you get that transparency? How do you get that assurance? And there's different mechanisms being worked in the marketplace today for trust scores or ways of conveying that assurance and doing it in a way that's economical and not burdensome and be able to trace that. And, you know, it's, did it come from whom you think it came from or is it a counterfeit or has it been tampered with? And there's all kinds of issues in supply chain that you need to address and you need to do it at business speed. You can't have a burdensome, you know, auditable, you know, audit, you know, heavy approach. So these things are part of what we talk about. And we are going to have a follow-on document that gets into the more hands-on, how do you actually do some of these things versus now we're trying to frame it and get the foundations in place. Okay, excellent. So yeah, I can I can't even imagine the complexities involved with trying to do the verification piece of that. But we're all familiar with frameworks, and and we're going to take a short break, real real quick. But when we come back, we'll ask Marcellus to talk about the IIC's trustworthiness framework and how that fits into this picture. Um, at least, so then we would have a, a. I can see that then all of your supply chain partners would have the same framework they're working from, how you're going to verify that they, that they adhere to all of the elements. I'm not sure, but that's, that's what we have smart folks like you, but we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back and talk to Marcellus. Welcome back. All right, Marcellus, tell us a little bit about the IIC's trustworthiness framework and how that fits into this picture. Yeah. So um, in IIC, we have a, own understanding of what the framework is. It's actually an architecture uh, design um, where we say there is a usage viewpoint, there is a, a business viewpoint, there is an implementation viewpoint and a functional viewpoint and, and not direct in this order. But you see, you from the names already say the implementation viewpoint is more for engineers, a business viewpoint is more for business people yeah, and that works quite well. So for example, when we talk trustworthiness, um, the risk if something happened with your system, it's more a business viewpoint than the implementation viewpoint. Yeah, mm, but right. to implement technology that decrease the risk is definitely something you have put in your functional viewpoint and then in your implementation viewpoint to say how you do it. Um, we made this successfully with our uh, security framework, IISF, uh, which is also available for download uh, for free once a while. Mm. So at the moment, uh, we have not this framework document written. What we have written is more a foundation guide. So we talk about what we think trustworthiness is. So it's an extended dis, uh, dis definition. And with the next document, the so-named practitioner's guide, we will explain how you use uh, trustworthiness, which is by way a higher approach than just explain what it is. Excellent. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. That 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 helps me understand how you're how you're constructing this this framework and, and what it'll do for the industry. So let's let me circle back uh, to Frederick, if I if I could. Frederick, can you explain to us the the requirements, technologies, standards, and solutions for trustworthiness that that support the various IIoT sectors and what those sectors are? 
Probably not. Um, okay. But uh, <laughs> let me let me just say this: this is an emerging area, and we're we're laying the groundwork for people to understand that they need to consider these things together, mm-hmm. and that they need to consider it holistically and get rid of their business silos. And you can't have a group of safety people in one area and a bunch of security people in another, never talking to each other because there's relationships between safety and security, as we know, mm-hmm. but that needs to be addressed. So we're, we're coming at this as, as at a point of saying, you need to understand that these things relate to each other and we, there's trade-offs and decisions to be made. That isn't to say there aren't standards and aren't requirements that relate to this, but they're highly vertically dependent. Um, the same message is coming. We have the security maturity model, which I've worked on at the IIC, which has a similar message that you have to when you assess your security, you need to consider governance, you need to consider technologies, you need to consider operations. So you need a a broad view of the entire life cycle and the entire process and everything that you do. And you can't just focus on one little area of technology. And, you know, it's like the old story. If I implement SSL, everything's safe, right? It isn't true, right? right? It's the same thing here with safety in a bigger way. You, You don't just get one little piece and you're done. You have to understand your business, understand the risks and concerns, integrate risk management across safety and security and have these people talk to each other and understand. And there's different languages and different standards, but they're trying to get to the same problem. And what we're arguing is that we need to bring this stuff together. We, you know, you, there are standards like 62443 that lay out detailed requirements and we can map to that kind of thing. We can map to other standards that already exist so that we're not reworking the world to create everything new and new standards. What we're saying is, okay, there's a safety community that has its set of standards and procedures. Mm -hmm. There's a security community that has its standards. There's an industrial control area. They know what they're doing. We need to talk to each other and work at the problem together. And yes, in your vertical, you know, if it's healthcare, your concerns will be different than if it's an oil and gas, although there's similar concerns in both, but you need to understand your own detailed environment to get it right. Does that make sense? It does. Thank you. I, no, I appreciate that. That helps me understand. So we're not we're, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel um, for each sector and or or each each vertical because, like you said, the verticals are all going to have different concerns. There are some common concerns across the board, but they're going to have different concerns. They're going to worry about HIPAA and and, and not some other um, some other set of standards. And there's also the reliability aspect, which is mostly interested from the stakeholders. Yeah, when you have a system, you want it run as efficient as possible, mm-hmm. uh, and that means it's reliable. It works well. Yeah, and when something breaks, you have resilience. You want it not shut down. You want it possibly to reduce performance running and repair it as quick as possible. So we not say we not just security and safety experts here. We are also people that understand uh, the business aspects of reliability. Uh, and then you have, of course, the privacy aspects, which is relatively new and I still still evolving. But we think from beginning on, uh, you have to bring the, the all privacy aspects in. Uh, uh, when, when you have a very well security system where you can see uh, when people log in and log out, you record this. And then you can say, oh, this is perfect. We can find out who is working a lot and working very short. Yeah, then you have possibly privacy violations in your security setup. Yeah? So the, the, you see how quickly you run in conflict and the trustworthiness is, is uh, an ideal platform to show uh, these conflicts and to solve them. Right. Oh, and the other part of this is that 
you know, we, we don't build systems, you know, in minute discrete piece parts. We assemble them, we merge them with other systems, we evolve them. And so the solution you may be looking for in your particular type of system in your organization for some reliability issue may be something that's been used for decades over in you know some other area some yeah and so getting a marketplace where you can identify your needs in the trustworthiness aspects so that you can find these solutions bring them in assemble them at this pace of market um, is another part of this so that it's not just custom built purpose built it's something that fits the iot type of commoditized uh, marketplace. Right. Awesome. Steve, can, I add, can I add one more thing, Steve? Please. Um, you know, we, we notice, for example, that in security, people talk about threats and vulnerabilities. And in safety, we talk about hazards. And, and we see that people talk are talking different languages. But in a sense, what we're saying is there's very similar things, whether you're talking about security and the, and the attacks that can happen or whether you're talking about safety uh, or, or talking about flaws in, in systems that are built that can cause problems or environmental risks, like maybe there's a hurricane coming. Ultimately, all of these are adverse things that can affect your risk situation and need to be considered holistically. I'm coming back to the same argument I made before that one of our key messages, you have to look at these characteristics together. And even though people use different languages for them, you need to think of it holistically as what's the consequence and what are the, and, sh and use the different techniques from all of them. Right. No, that makes perfectly good sense. I appreciate that. All right. We, we've, we're about out of time here, but we've had a fascinating conversation and I appreciate that. I like to end with the same question um, for each episode. And there's probably some questions that I should have asked that I didn't think to ask. So what else does our audience need to know about trustworthiness framework of the IIC or any of the topics that we've covered today? And I'll just leave that that open to anybody. If one you one thing in. is, where do we get that information? Good question. So, where do we get um, that information? Well, the IIC website has an area for resources. And this is being, it's the newest item. It'll be right at the top. It'll probably be in the splash area as well as you come to that page. So, um, and there's a lot of other material that supports this. This isn't a isolated document. It's building and integrating a lot of work. Okay. If you, if you when you totally forget everything, you just have to remember IIC, trustworthiness, uh, framework, and maybe foundation and put this in Google and you have to. And it'll come up. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Anything else? All right. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you guys joining me today. This has been fascinating. Um, I also want to, want to thank our listeners for being with us today. And please remember to like and subscribe if you found this podcast interesting. And join us next time for another episode of the Brilliance Security Magazine podcast. Mm -hmm.